that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Hello, and welcome to the Silver Screens Podcast. My name is Charles. Hi, I'm Chucky. So glad you could make it. The hosts are expecting you. Come play with us. Right this way to the dungeon. Please, watch your step and try not to trip over the corpses. I see dead people. You'll be joining the terrifying trio for tonight's talk. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Make yourselves comfortable on the couch right over there, and they'll be with you shortly. Oh, and one last thing. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It's showtime. Scream Team, how you guys doing? Welcome to another episode of the Silver Screams Podcast, a podcast where three horror movie buffs watch scary movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Derek Schneider, and I am pleased, as always, to be joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Max Fosberg <laughs> and Kristen Marlowe. What it is. How are we doing today, you guys? Super. I'm a pod person, so I'm great. You're a pod person on a podcast. (laughs) You know, for once, I'm glad that Max did one of his silly little intros there, because after watching this week's film, I started to get a little paranoid that the people around me might not be who I think they are. Scream Team, this week we watched the 1978 remake of the sci-fi horror classic Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Now I'll kick this off by saying that I was genuinely impressed with this film. I wasn't sure what to think going in. I had never seen it or the original, so I had no frame of reference for how this film was supposed to play out. I mean, the Body Snatchers trope has been used and referenced throughout pop culture in our lifetime, so I had a pretty good idea of what was going to take place. I just didn't know how it was going to be executed. And again, pretty pleased with what I saw. How about you guys? Had you seen this one or the original before? Max, I think we talked about this last week on The Void. Yeah, seen yeah, the yeah. Original? I, I've seen both. I've seen all three versions of this film. There is another remake that came out in 2007. Um, yeah, I love this. I, I love the 1978 version, uh, the best out of the three. It's got a stellar cast. Um, and it's, it's just a great like paranoia uh thriller almost you know but with sci-fi and horror elements in there um i leonard nimoy doing anything other than trek i'm in <laughs> jeff goldblum being jeff goldblum jeff goldblum <laughs> young jeff goldblum <laughs> and, Kristen, according to our text thread you've seen both of these now right the original and the remake that is correct <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> what uh, what are some like comparisons? Uh, are, are the stories pretty close? Yeah, in both? I think so. I yeah. think it's because I haven't seen the old one. Goes, yeah, in so long. It it pretty it follows it pretty closely. Hmm. All right. Well, let's not waste any more time and get to the meat of the show. Now, before we get there, though, we have to warn you that aside from shrieking emotionless clones of everyone you know and love, there are nothing but spoilers ahead on this pod. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can stream it on Amazon Prime or Hoopla right now. After you see it, come back and give the episode a listen and let us know your thoughts by tweeting or commenting on Instagram at Scream Team Pod. 
Lastly, before we turn it over to the totally real and definitely not a clone Max to tell you about the folks behind this film, we're going to pause right here for a couple quick messages. Scream Team, how you guys doing? We're going to get right back to the episode, but I wanted to jump in real quick to let you know about some exciting news. Our friends over at Camp Crystal Latte Coffee just dropped their newest roast, Michael's Mocha Java, and we want to help you save some money when trying it out. If you head over to CampCrystalLatte.com right now and fill your cart with Michael's Mocha Java or any of the other awesome roasts like the Woodsboro Blend or Texas Jitter Juice, enter the code SCREAM at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. If there's anything I like more than watching horror movies, it's helping my friends save money on delicious coffee. Once again, use the code SCREAM to save 10% on some scary good coffee at CampCrystalLatte.com. Do you like movies? Of course you do. Do you love movies? Well, so do we. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley, host of Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding movies. Join me and my co-hosts Max Fosberg and Grant Colombini each week as we conversate about films from the past, the present, and the future through fun and engaging podcast formats like movie drafts, Hall of Fame lists, tournament brackets, and film reviews. So whether it's the newest blockbuster or a resurgent black-and-white cult favorite, you can count on us to keep you in the know on all things movie-related. Excuse the Intermission is a part of the Chatter Network. All right, Max, if that's still you over there sitting on my couch, uh, <laughs> tell us about the people behind this film. Yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out in 1978. Uh, it's an hour and 55 minutes. It is rated PG. Hmm. Because there was no PG-13 in 1978. Ah, there we uh, go. Which is what I think it would have probably been rated. Um, it, of course, is based on Jack Finney's novel, The Body Snatchers. As we said, there's been three versions of this film. It's directed by Philip Kaufman and writers, uh, or, and written by W.D. Richer. Okay. Uh, W.D. Richer also... Goes on to write Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, nice. Uh, the 1979 Dracula with Frank Langella in the title role. Uh, so a guy who, who likes to dabble in genre stuff. Uh, stars. Such a 70s vibe cast on this one. Mm-hmm. You got a young Donald Sutherland, a very young Jeff Goldblum, a Leonard Nimoy, uh, Veronica Cartwright, who of course is from Alien, mm. um, and she does the she like screams. She's such a good screamer. She, she should be in screamer. a lot. She, yeah. I, I think she is in a lot of horror stuff or sci-fi stuff because she's really good at freaking out. Uh, and then Brooke Adams as well. Uh, there also are a couple of splashy cameos. Mm. Spoilers ahead. Uh, Robert Duvall. Uh, is right there in the beginning uh, as the priest. He is a really good friend of uh, with Philip Kaufman. Uh, just so happened to be in San Francisco when this movie was filming. He did all his uh, all his screen time. He did for free for Philip. Oh, cool! Uh, and then there's a moment where they go by a homeless guy playing a banjo. Mm-hmm. That's Jerry Garcia, frontman for the no Great Dead. That's weird. Yep. Uh, it gets who, even weirder like once we see later on what happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, just a really really cool 70s vibe on this film yeah um, and that's that's kind of that's kind of everything I got for you today okay well thank you for that 
So the film starts on an unidentified planet where a strange life form in the shape of gel-like spores drifts up into the atmosphere where it moves slowly through space, drifting until it reaches Earth. The spores enter the atmosphere and are swept downward, emerging in a rainstorm in San Francisco. On the ground, the spores begin to develop, growing on leaves of earthly plants and taking the shape of small pods with a pink flower in the middle. Now, right out of the gate, this was a really cool uh, effect. I wasn't really expecting it from this. Like, like I said, there were a lot of moments where I was pleasantly surprised uh, by this film. And this first part was one of them when we kind of see the uh, the tendrils kind of sprouting on the leaves of these plants and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a cool effect. Now, Elizabeth Driscoll notices one of these pods, taking it back to the home she shares with her boyfriend, Jeffrey. Unable to find the flowering pod in any of her botany books, she hesitantly identifies her new find as a crossbreeding of two different species, a Grex. Matthew Bennell is an inspector for the health department who uncovers unsanitary conditions at a French restaurant. As he threatens the owner with indictment over finding rat droppings in the food, the other employees quietly slip out to the parking lot and smash Matthew's windshield with a bottle of wine. I fucking love this scene so much because he takes these little tweezers (laughs) and he goes into the stew and he like pulls it out and then he's like, it's a rat turd. And the the other guy's like, it's, it's a, a caper. caper. Yeah. He's like, rat turd, caper, rat turd, caper, rat yeah. turd, caper. And it goes on for a minute. And then he's like, if it's a caper, then eat it. <laughs> and then you won't eat it because it's a fucking rat turd. So gross, but funny. As a, as, as a restaurant employee, I can definitely identify with the moments like when a health inspector walks into the restaurant. The only thing missing was the mad scramble of all of the back of house employees running to make sure that food is labeled and everything while the inspectors being shown other things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> when he gets home, he calls Elizabeth and they work together at the health department and Matthew jokes with her about what happened to him at the restaurant. As Elizabeth goes to bed, she forgets about the weird pod, which has suddenly sprouted roots in the glass of water. She keeps it in next to their bed. When she wakes the next morning, Jeffrey is already awake and dressed, cleaning up the remains of the glass of water next to the bed. His behavior is strange, and she follows him downstairs as he takes a plastic garbage bag out to a waiting dump truck. At work, she confides to Matthew that Jeffrey is acting strange. Now, later that night, Elizabeth tries to talk it over with Jeffrey, but he ignores her, instead telling her that he's going out and giving her no explanation. Elizabeth touches him intimately and recoils from his emotionless response. Elizabeth rushes over to Matthew's house and insists that Jeffrey is no longer Jeffrey. On the outside, he looks the same, but inside, he's different. The next day, Matthew hears a strange story from the owner of the Chinese laundry he patronizes. His wife is not his wife, the guy tells him. Later, he finds Elizabeth at the health department offices, shaken and obviously distraught. She reveals that she's been following Jeffrey during the day and has seen him having brief meetings with strangers, all of them passing unidentifiable parcels amongst themselves. She's convinced that there is some sort of conspiracy afoot and that Jeffrey is part of it. Matthew wants to take her to meet his friend, a renowned psychologist named David Kibner. Kibner has written a number of popular books, the latest of which has just been published, and Matthew takes Elizabeth to a book signing party at the local bookstore so she can meet Kibner personally. And again, the whole, like, there's got to be a conspiracy here. It's just the perfect, like, 1970s political paranoia Mm -hmm. uh, bleeding into this movie. Yeah, very much so. While stopped at a traffic light, a strange man suddenly falls onto Matthew's car, screaming and pounding at the windows, warning they're coming, something terrible, you're in danger. Before they can react, another vehicle comes along and strikes the man around the corner. Strangely, the crowd of people around him seem to be, not be affected by what has happened at all, not even the motorcycle policeman who arrives on the scene. At the book party that evening, Matthew and Elizabeth meet up with Jack 
Belichick. At the book party that evening, Matthew and Elizabeth meet up with Jack Belichick, a friend of Matthew's. Matthew tries to phone in a report to the police about the incident, but he meets with strange resistance. Elizabeth comes becomes entranced by an extremely upset woman who is insisting to Kibner that her husband is an imposter. Kibner calms the woman somewhat before sending her on her way with her husband, but Elizabeth urges the woman to contact her at the health department because she knows what she is trying to say. Finally, Matthew is able to introduce Elizabeth to Kibner, who admits that over the past few days, other people have been coming to him with the same story that Elizabeth is telling. The patients tell him that someone close to them is acting strange and seems like an imposter. The patients seem to get over it quickly and change their story, though. Now, Kibner suggests that this is a result of the of the emotional isolation people feel in modern relationships. But even Matthew notices that Kibner doesn't seem to be listening to what Elizabeth is really saying. Matthew takes Elizabeth home and she finds a plant waiting for her. The card indicates it's a gift from Jeffrey. And Jack returns to his wife, Nancy, who runs a mud bath facility. When Nancy begins closing up for the evening, she notices someone lying under a sheet and thinks it's Jack. Removing the sheet, she is startled to find a strange form underneath, and it resembles a man but lacks distinctive features and is covered with white tendrils. Jack, who was sleeping nearby, suddenly appears and Nancy strikes him accidentally, giving him a nosebleed, and the shape on the table begins to bleed too. Yeah, because it's snatching his body. (laughs) It's a replica. It's growing. Watch out, they'll get you while you're sleeping. That was the uh, quote on the poster. Was it? Yeah. I I don't like it when you say it. (laughs) (laughs) what did you guys think of the think of the design on this i love it it's creepy uh plants have always kind of creeped me out and uh space plants you know that if if there was a plant that could mimic like you know mimic could could build a replica of you i think it would look something like this sure They call Matthew and urge him to come over to examine the phenomenon. And when he realizes something terribly strange is happening, he he remembers Elizabeth. Unable to reach her by phone, Matthew goes over to her house. And while Jeffrey sits listening to headphones, Matthew breaks into the house and retrieves a sleeping Elizabeth from the house. Before taking her from from her bed, Matthew is shocked to see a duplicate of her body lying nearby, covered in the same fibers as the body at the baths. Now back at the bathhouse, Jack falls asleep again and the body begins to take on his features until Nancy wakes him up again. Matthew and Elizabeth return to the baths and summon Kibner, but the body has apparently vanished. Likewise, Matthew reports Elizabeth's other body to the police, but when they return to the house she shares with Jeffrey, nobody is able to find a body. Dupro is like always trying to fucking call the police this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, I'll go to report this. I got to report this. Like he says that like, I don't know, 10 times or something. It's a little ridiculous. He's taking it up the chain of command. It's silly. <laughs> it's very silly. Gibner quiets the police and Jeffrey seems unconcerned that his girlfriend refuses to come home and is spending the night with Matthew. Converging at Matthew's house, the small group forms their hypothesis. Somehow people are being duplicated and these alternate bodies are appearing to take their places. Kibner is skeptical and tries to talk them out of their ideas, but finally leaves unseen by the others. He gets into a car with two other conspirators, including Jeffrey. All day, Matthew tries to get the others to listen to him about what's going on. He makes phone calls, has meetings, and tries to find anybody who will take him seriously. Similarly, the woman who was so upset at the bookstore turns up at the health department and tells Elizabeth that she's all right now. She's not her. She's been snatched. Do you think that's what happened? Yes. Is that? You're a snatch. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. (laughs) 
That night, the Belichick stay at Matthews. <laughs> Kibner gives Elizabeth a mild sedative to help her sleep and leaves. Now, while everyone is settling in for a nice nap, we're going to take a quick break to hear from another great show you can find right here on the Chatter Network. I'm Amelia Sanson. And I'm Liz Ball. And we're the hosts of The Holy Hour. A podcast where we talk about modern dating, sex, and life in general. It's like hanging out with your girlfriends who say the things you think in private, but out loud on a public podcast. So join us for The Holy Hour, a Chatter Network podcast, available wherever you like to listen. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. Welcome back, Scream Team. Then the entire group has fallen asleep except for Nancy. As they sleep, four pods in Matthew's garden release white tendrils that attach to the sleeping people, and they soon burst forth with embryonic life, somehow duplicating their victims. Before the transformation is complete, Nancy revives Matthew. Now, this was such a cool, like, unsettling scene here in the garden when Matthew Matthew was asleep outside, like, on mm-hmm. a chair. Yeah. And the others were sleeping inside. But yeah, this is the first, this is like a pretty long scene where these tendrils attach onto Matthew and we kind of see these, the, the pods flower and then, you know, give, give, give birth, birth to, yeah, to, to these replica. replicants. And again, like really cool, really cool practical effects in this, in this scene. Absolutely. Uh, top notch. Um, I don't know about top notch, but yeah, they were all right. Well, for the time, <laughs> for the time. Sure. For a 1978 movie, yeah, sure. they look great. Whatever. <laughs> now together they wake the others and Matthew tries to call for help. The telephone operators already know who he is, addressing him by name, even though he's hadn't given their, his name yet. He's, it's probably because he called 10 times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they know who he the is. Operators, the operators are there at the station and you know she like puts him on mute and is like, ugh. Again got, with like, the bodies, got, guys. Matthew's on the phone again. Guess guess who he's trying to call? The police. <laughs> Suddenly, the power goes out, and they see a horde of pod people rushing up the hill to Matthew's house. As the others escape out the back, Matthew leaves the yard, smashing the head of his own duplicate with a hoe. Near the docks, the group appears to be cornered behind a group of shipping crates, but Jack sacrifices himself, rushing out along the dock and getting the pod people clones to give chase. Nancy runs off after him and Matthew and Elizabeth are on their own. Now they attempt to take a taxi out of town, but the sinister looking cab driver drives them to a police roadblock that is arresting people attempting to leave the city. Matthew and Elizabeth find that they cannot escape San Francisco. The pod people are everywhere, even spreading pods right out in the open as they now apparently outnumber the humans. Has a huge kind of pandemic vibes, right? Like this thing that, just spreads really fast. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, kind of unseen, like say a COVID. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was getting, I was like, Oh wow, this is really kind of feels like the last year <laughs> where everyone's yeah, kind of I mean, staying away from each other. Yeah. Sort of in a way. I mean, it's, it was much less hostile. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, you know, people weren't being replaced with replicants, but yeah, no, it definitely like the, you know, not being able to leave the city, uh, just, you know, not really, you know, going about their lives and not really realizing what was happening around them until it was too late. And taking refuge in the dark offices of the health department, they find speed pills in someone's desk and take as much as they can in order to keep themselves awake. 
However, they are found out by none other than Jack, who has returned with Kibner, both of them pod people. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Kibner gives them a sedative, and he explains that they will be reborn into a new world without emotions or complications, thanks to the alien life form that has taken root on Earth. But Matthew and Elizabeth manage to overpower both of them, killing Jack and locking Kibner in a freezer. On the way out of the building, they encounter Nancy in a stairwell, and she is still human. Nancy reveals that she and Jack were separated, but she has discovered a way to move among the pod people by refusing to show emotion. The three of them leave the health department right out in the open, but Elizabeth is startled by a bizarre pod hybrid that has mutated into a dog with a human head. <laughs> this, this is the one part where it's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's so this is uh, the Jerry Garcia yeah. that you were just talking about uh, in this movie he plays the banjo playing homeless person mm -hmm. uh who has a dog with him and we see him a couple times like throughout the film uh you know matthew stops to like say hi to him people seem to know who he is he's you know the friendly banjo playing guy out on the street uh, but yeah when this this dog comes up and banjo music starts playing and he you look down and you see the dog's body with with the character's face right and then he like licks himself yeah this is the one part where it's just like that's that's a little it's a little kitschy. I, I also do love the twist where like if you don't show emotion, you can walk among these pod people. Mm -hmm. uh, that that kind of brings in like a cool uh, challenge. It made me think like if I could walk around without showing emotion. What did you guys think of the shrieking when the when brrr. yeah when people when the pod people you know figure out that there are humans amongst them and they like shriek. The, the first time we really hear it is at uh, Matthew's house mm -hmm. when right, you know, right after the, he calls. The I operator. love it. I think it's creepy. It was super creepy. Like yeah. I was, I like him. Yeah. Kind of took me by surprise. Like the first time I heard it now, an elderly pod lady notices and makes high pitch, a high pitch screaming noise that we just talked about here, <laughs> which seems to be a way, uh, be the way the pod people to call out to others. Uh, if a human is in their midst, it's like an alarm going off. Yeah. Nancy once again gets separated from Elizabeth and Matthew, who are identified as human, and chased throughout the city. Making their way to the docks, Matthew and Elizabeth discover a greenhouse where thousands of pods are being cultivated. Elizabeth, hindered by a twisted ankle and lack of sleep, feels as if she can't go on much further without sleep. Matthew goes to investigate the sounds of amazing grace coming from one of the ships, leaving Elizabeth hidden among the tall grass. Matthew is horrified to see uh, huge pallets of pods being loaded onto the ships. The spiritual is simply a random radio broadcast as the station is changed. The ship helmed by a pod people ready to take the alien presence to other areas of the world. When Matthew returns to Elizabeth, he finds her asleep and he is unable to wake her. As he holds her in his arms, Elizabeth's body crumbles into a husk and her nude clone appears in the grass. Points from Kristen here. Just one. Just one point. <laughs> the pod elizabeth tells matthew that everything is all right the conversion is painless and good she encourages him to sleep but her voice is hard and cold matthew runs slipping into the greenhouse facility he makes his way to the steep scaffolding and after taking a fire axe uh, begins wreaking havoc among the pods dropping electrical lighting rigs onto them until the entire place is in flames and the unborn pods are burned but the fire alarm is sounded and the pod people pursue him including the newly converted elizabeth Matthew slips away from them, hiding under a dock, and hears them talking amongst themselves, and one of them says he can't get far, he has to sleep sometime. Matthew knows that they are right. The next day, Matthew goes through the motions of his job, staring blankly at his co-workers. He sees Elizabeth in the hallways of the building, but they do not acknowledge one another. 
Outside, Matthew sees school buses of children from Santa Barbara, L.A., and other areas of California being taken to a theater for their conversion. A while later, Matthew is walking along the deserted street towards the city hall building and hears a voice calling to him. Turning around, he sees the still human Nancy across the street. As she crosses the street to meet him, Matthew's face twists into a grimace and he points at her, screaming an alien scream to alert the other pod clones to her presence. Nancy screams, realizing too late that Matthew is now a pod person, and the camera zooms into his mouth and the screen fades to black. Roll credits. One of my favorite endings uh, in all of the movies. Because it's just so... Such a, such a down ending. Yeah, like it's... Very much so. When when I was watching the scene, I was like, okay, like he's obviously figured out how to walk amongst mm-hmm. amongst the pod people. Well, that's because he is a pod person, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just the natural gift. Once it's you a great reveal, once you make the transformation, yeah, and then getting that reveal when Nancy, who like miraculously is still human, uh, bitch, don't yeah. have no emotions, <laughs> no emotions. But when she calls out to him, yeah, he screams, and and she's been found out. Yeah, really cool ending. All right, guys. So what did we think of this? Christian, what about you? Likes, dislikes? It was, <laughs> I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I, it was fine, but I don't, I wouldn't watch it again. It was not my favorite movie. Um, I thought the cast was really good. And I think that that is the best thing that I can say about this movie is that the cast is strong. The storyline is like, cool but it's not original obviously this isn't even the first one um but it's like i don't know i mean it's fine like it's fine okay max what about you i i I, dislikes i like this movie a lot uh as kristen said the cast is phenomenal um you know i mean i'm a sucker for anything in the 70s uh but i love i love the the premise and and the paranoia which i think I've, i've talked about a lot on this episode just the the feeling of not knowing if your neighbor is you know real or not uh, is mm-hmm. is something that that uh, really affects me. So uh, yeah, dislikes. I mean, probably you know the dog, <laughs> the human faced dog, uh, is the one thing. But like even even that for nineteen seventy eight looked looked okay. Um, but no, I, I, I really like this movie and I almost kind of wish, I don't know if there's a sequel, if there's ever been a sequel, but I mean, I, I want to see more of this, of this takeover of Mm -hmm. the pod people. Yeah. I think my biggest likes, uh, sort of lie in the, in the practical effects, like I said, that were, you know, that, you know, surprised me in the beginning, uh, like you guys both said, the cast, uh, it's a pretty strong cast and is acted out really well. I think my biggest dislike was the runtime. It felt a little, a little long. long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that though, like it's like some of the shots in there, the cinematography is really good. I, yeah, like I said, pleasantly surprised by this movie. Like it's, you know, obviously not, you know, the, the flashiest, nicest thing that, you know, has ever been filmed. Uh, but for, for its time, like really well done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sci-fi horror. Uh, I think, I think part of that stems to, because it's coming later in the seventies, it's, you know, right on the cusp of, you know, 
bursting into the eighties when horror films really start to, you know, ramp things up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's considered one of the more like prestigious horror films Mm -hmm. with like the exorcist and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Kristen, it's your turn. I know, but I didn't even make it count because how do you know what I'm saying? Everyone in San Francisco. Yeah. It's too much. It's all. <laughs> I literally was watching and I was like, I can't count this. They, they really are like, they all go the same way. That's so another big like for me. San Francisco, really cool setting. Sure. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that. <laughs> sorry. You're taking over my, <laughs> my time. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to retract there, but. Yeah. So like the entire population of San Francisco is yeah. the kill count. So yeah. It, that is the kill count. The, the entire population of 1978 San Francisco. <laughs> I can't Google even ask it. you which one is your favorite because. Yeah. Like I they're, said, they, they're all the same. They all kind of die the same way. So yeah. this is all, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer for me. It's a little. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not enough death. Kill, kill, kill. Snatch, snatch, snatch. Man, well, I, think, man, 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 man. I think the, the clone <laughs> that Matthew smashes in the face with the hoe yeah. that's that'll be my favorite sure i'll pick that one i like a good hoe snatch <laughs> i like i like <laughs> any sort of pod person getting built you know yeah yeah i think that's a really that's cool not a death though that's a birth I know. well but it's a death of of the someone old. else yeah of the real person yeah moving on <laughs> all right <laughs> sadness, well, that, sadness. That, was just, that was the sad segment <laughs> okay so for the new people in the room after we talk about these films we got to give them a rating and on this podcast we use the scream scale for the uninitiated the scream scale is a scientifically perfected system where we award the films that we watch a number of screams from one to ten so without further ado Kristen, how many screams are you giving invasion of the body snatchers four <laughs> Ooh, four, <laughs> four three, screams. but then the half naked. Okay. Wow. All right. How what about you, Max? My favorite. Uh, seven point nine four. Seven. <laughs> point nine four. Seven. Just straight up no. All right. Just straight seven. up seven. Seven point nine. Just straight up seven. You heard flat, it here first. Seven. Wow. Thank you for not adding your crazy decimal points at Thank the end. Thank you, of Max. Damn. So respectful. So respectful. <laughs> so again, like I've, re- like I said throughout this podcast, I was actually really pleased with this film. I'd never seen it before. Still haven't seen the original from the fifties, but might have to go give it a watch. Now uh, the practical effects were pretty impressive. And I love the pod flowering scene at Matthew's house where all the clones were popping out. Now, of course it being a seventies horror flick, there were the typical marks seen in other films of this era, the bright red fake blood uh, overacting from the cast at times, but, they weren't so distracting that it ever really pulled me from the film. So despite the minor nitpicks, the long run time, I'm going to give invasion of the body snatchers six screams. Nice. All right, guys, this closes out the month of July and we are heading down the home stretch of our summer of screams. Now kicking off the month of August, we've got Kristen's pick of get out Kristen. This is one we've all seen and enjoyed. Uh, Have you seen it since it's theatrical release? And are you excited to revisit it here on the pod? I've seen it twice and I am absolutely excited to revisit this movie. I fucking love this movie. What an original storyline. I really dig this movie. Are you a, so you're like a super fan of get out? No, this is, almost did like I say a, I was a super this fan? Is, this is almost like a, a cool, like in a way, 
sort of a connection to this film like people to you body know, snatchers not to, to body snatchers yeah, like not bit. really being like who you are uh get out so yeah uh, it's a modern day classic mm-hmm. i can't wait to to watch it. i i think i've seen it since the theaters but i i don't return to it a lot so yeah it's good well, we're excited to do so. Uh, so next week's film, Get Out. If you want to know what other films are coming down the line to chime in about them, ask us a question or anything else, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. At Scream Team Pod is the name as well on Facebook. You know, you guys know by now that I'll never stop gushing about all the great shows we carry here on the Chatter Network. And if you want to know what kind of shows I'm talking about, go to thechatternetwork.com right now. Once there, you'll find a full list of the shows in the Chatter family and where to find them if you don't already have a preferred home for your pods. Our show comes out every Friday, so check out what other Chatter shows come out on the other days of the week while you wait for ours. You can keep your pods out of my home, Derek. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We learned anything from this movie, it's that. Yeah. I want your pods. So lastly, we love you all so much and appreciate the support that we've had so far, but we want to keep growing. And the best way for us to do that is having you guys subscribe to the show, rate it, and share it with your friends. For a small show on a growing network like ours, word of mouth is the best kind of advertising we can have because it means that you're enjoying what we do so much that you have to tell the other people in your life that they should be enjoying it too. Hashtag spread the screams. Well, thank you both so much for being such awesome co-hosts and maybe just, you know, don't give people little weird pod flowers as gifts. Like, let's try and keep that. We've we've had enough, you know, pandemic. We are problems. pod people. We are all pod three of us <laughs> are pod people. Technically. Technically, technically speaking, yeah, we are. So thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Silver Screams podcast. Once again, I'm Derek. I'm Kristen. And I'm Max. And we'll catch you next time. Stay spooky, Scream Team. Stay spooky.